Welcome to the Principles and Practice Podcast. This is where we discuss biblical principles for life and learning. I'm your host, Heather Hall, and this is my co-host, Brian Hall. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Principles and Practice Podcast. This happens to be the very last episode of our Teaching 10 series where we've been walking listeners through some of the aspects that were covered in the summer training course from the Foundation for American Christian Education. We were commissioned to teach 10 other people so that they can go out and teach 10 more people. And hopefully things would grow exponentially in that way to help more Americans become educated on our history and the historical form of education that we have as a nation with the goal in mind of with the goal in mind of restoring America back to our first principles and to God. Well, today's topic is the tutorial spirit of the principal approach. The founding principle for this comes from Philippians 3:12 through 6, and this is actually based on a lecture by Dr. Carol Adams. The upward call Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Well, leading every child into learning is a part of that upward call. There's a quote by Erasmus, who was a Dutch theologian, and he said, To be a schoolmaster is next to being king. In the opinion of fools, it is a humble task, but in fact, it is the noblest of occupations. Schoolmaster is a translation of pedagogos, which literally means child leader. One of the roles that we have as teach as teachers, whether we're in a Christian school or we're homeschooling, is to assess our students' work. To assess from Webster's 1828 dictionary is to ascertain. It's to set, fix, or charge a certain sum upon one to value. But whose currency? By whose standard? Well, for Christians, we recognize that the standard must be God's standard. We go to the heart, to the mind of Christ, to help develop Christ-like character and Christ-like thinking. In Psalm 26, we read, Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. And from 1 Samuel 16 we read, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So we don't want to hold to our own ideas of value. We want to look at what God values, and we want to cultivate and nurture what he values. Testing is really testing teaching. 
If a child doesn't pass the test, teachers blame other factors like the parent or the child or the family. But in effect, it really has to do with the failure on the teacher's part to impart the wisdom and knowledge in such a way that the student can understand it. Therefore, we test and we assess because assessment serves the important purpose of gauging progress to guide the teacher in regulating teaching for effective learning and character growth. Regulate is a governmental word, as we've talked about many times in our podcast, and it means to adjust by rule, method, or established mode. The principal approach standards are beyond skill mastery and fact accumulation and primarily internal. Internal meaning the affections, spirit, heart, mind, tastes, convictions, attitudes, character, beliefs, habits, and manners. Noah Webster in 1788 is quoted to say, The virtues of men are of more consequence to society than their abilities, and for this reason the heart should be cultivated with more assiduity than the head. Teachers can only enter hearts by invitation, only. We cultivate the internals only by student invitation as the student gives consent to us, as the student gives consent for us to enter their minds and hearts, as we relate to them justly, with respect, love, affirmation, and meaningful instruction. We lead them to set consistent and purposeful goals for continuing progress. So the heart attitude of the teacher and the demeanor of the teacher plays a huge role in whether or not a student will give us consent to be able to tutor them, to be able to enter their hearts to help them to form convictions. Assessing progress. Assessment checks if teaching has been successful for this child or not. Note that it says, take note that we're talking about for this child. We're talking about children as individuals, not as a group, not collectively, but as individuals. If not, then teaching isn't finished. Assessment regulates teaching towards the ultimate goal, and that is that the child is learning. The spirit of assessment is guided by God's principle of individuality and the Christian principle of self-government. It's very important to note that teachers must maintain a growth mindset. And if the teacher is not being successful in conveying the lesson in such a way that the student can understand it, then the teacher needs to start over. As teachers have a growth mindset and they display patience, and they display the fact that they are the ones that need to be rewording something so that the student grasps it, then that helps students to maintain a positive outlook and to have a growth mindset as well. Assessments are purposeful. The Christian view of the child requires that we teach the whole child as an individual, created specifically by God unto good works and for his eternal purposes. Therefore, a lockstep system is impractical for measuring achievement or setting standards. We need to make sure that we're focusing on the goal, 
The purpose of all learning is to bring the child to the fullest expression of his unique individual value in Christ. Assessment determines readiness for further instruction, the possible need for remediation, or the need for enrichment. The rule of assessment is to place character formation first in assessing and grading. There needs to be some challenge. There needs to be some rigor. They shouldn't be getting 100% before tests. We also want to bear in mind that we are aiming for excellence of character. Bear in mind that excellence is not perfection. What is excellent for one child may be mediocre for another. True excellence of character produces an excellent, but perhaps not perfect, product. In short, whatever contributes to exalt man or to render him esteemed and happy or to bless the society is in him an excellence. Now we'll talk about grades. I know parents who homeschool tend to go back and forth on differing views about grading students before high school, but in essence, when there is a grading policy in place, grades are a useful tool to the overall purpose of educating each child to the fullest expression of his value in Christ. Grading is a tool of the teaching and learning process, but it is not the goal of it. Grading will be flexible to the child's developmental needs emotionally, physically, spiritually, and intellectually. Grading is simply for measuring progress. The Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines a grade as a step or degree in any ascending series. So grading reports are milestones and are essential for measuring the progress and performance of each individual student. Grades should never measure the child's ability to learn. That is so key. They should never measure the child's ability to learn. Grades should measure the child's progress towards predetermined teaching and learning goals and priorities which are adjustable. So we always want to keep grading in its place. Never grade prematurely or before adequate progress is achieved. Never grade uniformly in disregard of the individual needs of the child. Children don't all need to have the same number of grades. They don't need to all have the same lessons graded as each other. You're basing it all on the individual. Grading may be withheld or modified in the case of a student with learning difficulties until progress is seen. So what is a tutorial spirit? That's the title of our episode here. Well, a tutorial spirit is one that honors the image of God within each and every student, carrying a vision for the fullest expression of each one's value in Christ. The tutorial emphasis should eliminate failure in most cases and provide assurance of at least minimal success. There's that famous quote by Yeats that says, education is not a pail to be filled, but a fire to be lit. When it comes to standardized testing, Uh, Giving an objective, nationally normed achievement test does not usually measure reasoning, writing, or worldview, and sometimes present concepts in conflict with the Christian ethos. However, such tests give valuable information concerning the progress of the student. 
So plan for using the results of standardized tests to identify tutorial goals and to affirm progress of students in many skill areas and in general information. And then communicate the purpose and the plan to your student. Tests can enhance the mastery of the subject. Testing offers an opportunity for the child to articulate the subject if the test is an essay test. There is very little benefit to objective testing. Objective testing means true and false, multiple choice, or matching, except in skill areas and for particular kinds of information. What are the results that we are looking for? Well, the goal of the principal approach education is to form the character of Christ in the child. That's our number one goal. With this goal, excellent achievement is a sure byproduct. It's a certainty. Our ultimate test is how well we know and love God and demonstrate His character. Sometimes there are situations that arise in your homeschool or in a homeschool co-op or in a Christian school. Well, we'll go through some of these situations and we will go ahead and talk about some possible solutions for each one. Sometimes students will give signals. A signal will be um, where a student zones out. Well, a solution to that is that the, the child is probably lost, and so you need to take the lesson in a direction that moves toward him or her to find him or her. Another signal is that a student is making very little effort. Well, if that's the case, then it's important to identify the reason and remedy it. Another signal would be that the relationship is tense between the student and the teacher. Well, we need to resolve something like that. So the key in that situation is to listen to the student so that you can find out what's going on causing the tension and then you can address it and work it out. Another example of signaling would be that grades are a supreme concern. Well, in this instance, it's wise to check your words and your expectations. Ask yourself if you're talking enough about the character quality of the work as opposed to just the performance and get it done and going through the motions and getting a high grade. If there's a competitive spirit among the student, then, then you want to be able to create some space for all of the learners in this setting. If disrespect is happening, there has to be a zero tolerance policy in place if this is taking place in your homeschool or a group or a classroom. And what you can do with a scoffer in your midst is to present them with that classroom constitution that they signed giving their consent to being taught and also to uh, agreeing to being self-governed and whatever else is laid out in that classroom constitution, then you're holding it before them that they gave their word that this is what they were going to do, the agreement and how things are going to be working and hold them to that. They gave their word, so they need to understand that it's important to stick to their word. If a student is blaming, well, there also has to be a zero tolerance for that. This is where we talk with them about Christian self-government. If the student is not following through with their work, it's not acceptable for them to blame other people or circumstances on that. They need to be practicing 
Christian self-government. So a dialogue and reminders about that is going to be important to go through with your students. If a student is being disruptive for any reason, then there has to be a zero tolerance policy on that. We need to talk about the love of law. Law is there in place for good reason. It's there to honor other people. It's there to, to honor yourself and show respect to the teacher. So, you know, there needs to be the discussion about law with liberty. Sometimes it's easy for parents to fall into the trap of thinking that if there's something going on with any of these signals with their own child, that the child doesn't want to work. Well, children do want to work. They do want to be productive. So a lot of times it comes down to assessing the communication from the parent to the child or maybe there's a problem with the way that something is worded in a lesson and the student needs help having it reworded to better comprehend what is being said. So a lot of times these matters can be resolved. Sometimes, you know, they'll be resolved quicker than others. But the point is to just focus on the whole child, the whole person, to remind them that the goal is to develop more Christ-like character and put on the mind of Christ. So whenever we have roadblocks, we can delight in the memory that they are short term. Some days it can feel like it's never going to end, that we're never going to get over this hump in the way, um, that we're not going to get over the roadblock, but they are short term. We all, we all can testify to that. And also, um, priorities are long-term, so it's helpful to do a word study on your philosophy of education and keep that before you so that it helps you remember, especially in those tough spots and those rough moments when you want to just go ahead and give up on homeschooling. It helps you to remember what your priorities are and that they are long-term. So it takes keeping focused on clear long-term priorities to push through the short-term roadblocks that we all encounter. And we do all encounter them. To gain the consent of the learner, we do this by first occupying the sound biblical position. If education is man-governed by force, by imposition, the condition, there's a conditioned learning and behavior. And, you know, that's when we can look at Pavlov and Skinner and Dewey and others. It's externally oriented. They believe that the organism is acted upon, it's provoked, it's impressed. They believe that man is a physio-psychological organism sensitive to his physical, social, and political environment. They believe that they need to stimulate the organism to need, want, and desire something, to excite, rouse, goad, or provoke into action through physical or psychological stimuli. They believe the organism's desires justified as needs legitimate to his status. They believe that they need to motivate the organism to satisfy needs externally. It's consumer-oriented. The mentality for them is that the organism is not committed to subdue the environment to the demands of conscience. They believe that the organism is compelled to submit to external environment in spite of diminishing conscience. They believe that they need to enculturate the organism to conform and shape desires and their satisfaction to society-approved behavior. Satisfaction achieved or learned, quote-unquote, through successful adaptation and adjustment to the environment. 
physical, social, religious, economical, and political. They believe in indoctrinating. They deny the doctrine of authority of God or His Word. They validate truth through sense knowledge. Conviction is reinforced through satisfaction of physio-psychological desires. Truth is what is true, what works. Knowledge is discovered through experience. It's not by authority. Whereas, conversely, a Christ-governed education is by consent. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's internally oriented. The belief for a Christ-governed consent education is that the individual action proceeds from within. It's expressed. We believe that man is a living soul responsive to the demands of conscience. And we want to honor the child's heart. We want to honor the child's conscience. We believe in inspiring the heart to commit thy way unto the Lord. And we do this by helping them to be productive children who are busy. Children want to produce. We need to call it forth by inspiring and allowing them to be productive. It's satisfying. That's how we get consent. We believe in consecrating the individual child to Christ. He shall give thee the desires of thy heart. It is production-oriented. We believe in cultivating the new man. Bring every thought into conformity with Christ. We believe in instructing versus indoctrinating. We believe instruction in knowledge of salvation. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom they hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast learned the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That's from 2 Timothy 3.14 and 15. Now the very definition of consent by Webster's 1828 Dictionary is to be of one mind, to agree. Con and sentio is to think, feel, or perceive. It's an agreement of the mind to what is proposed or stated by another. It's being in accord, hence a yielding of the mind or will to that which is proposed. Accord of minds, agreement, unity of opinion. So to summarize, or in conclusion, the tutorial spirit has to do with the teacher, the teacher's mindset, the teacher's demeanor, it has to do with the teacher being willing to rework a lesson in such a way that it will benefit the student as an individual to help that student succeed in learning. Learning is always the goal. Grades are not. Grades and tests are helpful for assessment, but the goal is to learn and to gain the mind of Christ and to walk in Christ's character. Well, I sure hope that you all have been blessed by this Teaching 10 series, and it's our prayer that each of you will participate in the summer training series in full by the Foundation for American Christian Education. You have the choice to be certified as a master teacher in the principal approach or not. You can look at the details about that at their website, face.net. 
just go under their tab for learn and I believe the very first link on there is for the master teacher certification program and to follow FTC's guidelines I'm just letting you know that we are not receiving any product or monetary gifts or anything for promoting the program again it's just something that we strongly believe equips Christians for such a time as this to help us restore America to her first principles and and to God all right well this is definitely not the last podcast even though it's the last in our teaching 10 series we hope that you will continue to join us in future episodes and please share with people not only on your own with what you're learning, but please direct them to the podcast as well. And we want to thank all of our subscribers. Our list is growing. It's a very modest number right now, but we're very thankful for it. That helps us get more reach. And you guys take care. As always, if you're looking for additional resources or support, you can visit our website at principalacademy.com. Check out our shop and our blog. And you can also find us on Facebook at Christian Homeschooling with Bible Principles. Also on Instagram under Principal Academy. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Well, this is Heather Hall. And this is Brian Hall. For Christ and His glory. <laughs> <laughs>